Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Tonight we'll go back in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard game, one final score which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History and its memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network. In conjunction with Swick Enterprises, and we're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine. I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 140 plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host. He is a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larger. He is from Portland, Oregon, Mr. Joe Squires. Joe! Welcome to the show this evening. Oh, I'm stoked, Captain. Under show, privileged to be here, sir. Well, tonight, I'll start off immediately. That this is our 100th podcast of Gridiron Greats, the podcast. We've done 100 shows since 2011. Our first show was on December 14th, 2011. We continued on the Leatherheads of the Gridiron Network until February 5th, 2014. And then we took a break as we got off the Leatherheads Network, and we started on our own network. And our first show was on January 14th, 2017. The date of this recording is December 30th, 2019, and we did 100 shows over basically an eight-year period, minus two years, so over six years. And uh, first, I want to lead off by saying I do I want to thank my co-host publicly, Joe Squires, for his hard work, his efforts, his research, his taking time out of his busy schedule to be my co-host. I do appreciate it, Joe. And I also want to go publicly and say Joe sent me a Secret Santa gift Uh <laughs> In the mail, I think it was, and I, I got this box from Oregon, and I kind of put two and two together. I don't know too many people in Oregon other than my co-host, Joe Squires. I, I proceeded to open up the box, and actually I have the items in front of me right now. The first thing I saw was a 1977 top Steve Largent rookie card, which is rarer <laughs> than rare here in Connecticut. I've already had several collectors bidding it up now. Whatever uh, my price is, they want it for their set. And I got two beautiful ticket stubs, uh, one for the 
from 1906, a Harvard Dartmouth ticket stub, the old classic uh, lettering, yeah. beautiful uh, numbering on it, the uh, great ticket design on the back of it, and then I got an incredible 1899 Harvard Penn November 4th ticket stub, uh, which is an amazing piece of football memorabilia, and I do want to thank you, Joe, publicly for that nice Christmas gift, which I was not expecting in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I got confused because I thought you were my secret Santa, which I didn't think you were, but uh, <laughs> I, I do I do want to thank you for that. Well, well first of all, so, you're welcome, Bob. Uh, I, not only do I have the, the privilege of being your co-host, <laughs> but I'm, I, I also call you a very dear friend, uh, so... Harvard's your team. That's true. I got you a couple Harvard tickets, and Steve Largent, if, if it was an unmarked, un, unmarked box and you open it up and you saw Steve Largent, I figured that'd be your first clue. Oregon and Steve I had Largent. A, uh, I, had a, I, had a, I had a hunch when I saw the Steve Largent rookie card. <laughs> As Brenda, Brenda got a big smile on her face when she saw it, I said, yes, it's Joe. My friend Joe <laughs> has sent me tithings for the Christmas season. It was very nice. Wow. I appreciate it. And I, did, and I do want to say this. You are a good friend of mine. We have uh, gotten to know each other quite well over the years. I seem to have gotten much older for some reason. Uh, since 2011, I feel older, put it that way. But uh, I do appreciate our friendship and our our backgrounds and understanding of the game of football or research on it or Effort that goes into doing a show, so on and so forth. And, you know, I, like yeah. I like I try to tell tell, tell people, and I, I I'm asked this question a lot. You know, what what's involved in going and you know you know doing a show? What do you do? Just call in and just talk? And it's a little more complex than that. You know, we we have to you know the the shows we have guests on. I have to coordinate it with the guests, or you coordinate it with the guests. We develop questions for the for the guests, and you and I you know discussed this before the show then we create a script even though some of the script is pretty standard for each show and a couple of the questions are standard for each show we still want to go over and look at it and we got a mm-hmm. back and forth email email uh trail of the script any changes and or phone call text whatever the case may be and uh then we come to show preparation and and what i what i want to point out to a couple of people because a few people ask me why don't we just take calls on the show we pre-record these at different times uh through the course of the week so it's difficult to say you know call in at such such a time we tried this believe it or not a few years back and unfortunately we're getting people calling in the wrong number because they thought their show was on at this time so i had to edit out some of the shows where people would say you know this is joe smith and i'm calling in for uh, xyz show well, this is not the XYZ show. This is the Gridiron Greats podcast, so it's kind of awkward. So uh, that's why we don't do it. I do handle, um, and I've taken emails, phone calls, letters from people, and I try to discuss, you know, what they've talked about, what they asked, wanted me to ask yeah. for the next show, so on and so forth. So that's a big reason why we don't take the live uh, show, live calls anymore as far as the show is concerned. However... We, we, you know, uh, you know, try to come up with, if we know a future guest is coming up and I know several people have questions for them, I try to incorporate their questions into uh, our script as far as what we're going to ask them. So uh, that, that's basically what goes into developing the show itself and, and putting it together. Then obviously we got the 60-minute recording, then when it's recorded, I normally will uh, post it to several different areas. The Gridiron Grace uh, Magazine mm-hmm. Facebook page, we post it on Twitter, and we also post it on uh, a couple of groups we belong to. So uh, it, it does get some some airplay uh, as far as people listening. We've had some podcasts where we've had over five, 600 people listening to it, which I find amazing. Either that somebody gets... Uh, cut off on it and they keep going on it for like 50, 60 times, which kind of messes up the stats, but 
I'm trying to be optimistic and saying, well, geez, we had a we had an interesting guest, and therefore we had a lot of uh, listeners. So uh, that that's basically what, what's going in, into the podcast itself. And we've changed a lot too. I think over the years, I think being a podcast that we do ourselves now, we're not limited yeah. anymore um, as far as who we ask, questions we ask, so on and so forth. So therefore, it's uh, much different than we were on the Weatherheads Network. Not to take anything away from them, obviously, I don't even think they're they're on anymore. Uh, but um, in the you know, I was trying to help them out with with their website and so on and so forth. So it's been an interesting interesting eight years to say the least. So Joe, I'm gonna, I'm going to start off. We'll just throw it out there. You, you got any any shows or any guests that really? Uh, Stood out over the years, and I know we did quite a few over the years. There, there were several that you were not the co-host, and we'll talk a little yep. bit about those later on the show. But let's start off with anything that that struck you as being uh, an incredible show. Uh, I'll admit uh, the the ones that really really stuck out to me. Uh, I, I I go back to things that I, I didn't really know a lot about. And when we had people on, it changed the way I collected. So things that, you know, that that opened my eyes to a different facet of things. And uh, show number 43 and show number 44, we had uh, show number 43 was, uh, was with Mike Cercioni. Uh, and I, I, I apologize if I'm slaughtering his last name. He's a baseball guy. And uh, number 44 was John Moran. Uh, right. You know, uh, you know, and both of them are uh, – you know, uh, kind of wax packs experts. They're unopened experts. And those two shows, 43 and 44, back to back, started talking about uh, how much uh, unopened wax was resealed, how many cellos were resealed, just the proliferation of, you know, of just badness into the, into the wax industry. And I had a pretty, a pretty big unopened collection at the time. Uh, both graded by BBCE and ungraded. I mean, I had quite a few. I probably had like, I had over 188 tops boxes, uh, you know, probably like 15, 84 tops. And after hearing that, it totally changed my collection. I uh, I sold my wax off after that show. Um, I, I literally consigned it to somebody and sold most of it off, about 90% of it. And it, and what really raised my eyebrows is, uh, you know, when I sold some of it, I, I, from, uh, you know, the person I sold it through put it on eBay, and Steve Hart with BBCE reached out to that person and said, you have BBCE sealed boxes of wax with my sticker and my signature on it. Problem is, my signature is fake. So uh, even the sealed, graded wax boxes that I bought were resealed so somebody had taken wax boxes shrink wrapped them made photocopies of the bbc seal and then uh made it into a sticker put it on and faked it so that was a huge eye-opener to me i mean even after having those two guests on the show and determining a lot of it was fake i I discovered even the graded stuff in my collection was fake and it was just it was kind of a, a kick in the crotch you know just we we love our hobby. This is why we you know Bob and I do this, and it was just one more thing against our beloved hobby that you just kind of shake your head about, and it's disappointing. Right. So, uh, yeah, it, it, when I yeah. think about when I, when I think about shows, that wasn't my favorite show, but it's definitely two of my most memorable shows. Well, I think, and I and uh, you know we've talked about this as far as on open is concerned. And I and I distinctly remember having this conversation with you afterwards, you know, within a few weeks where you're saying I'm going to get rid of most of my my um, unopened items. And then when you told me the time about you know you're selling technically his sealed wax boxes, which are now falsified, which are now fake. And I'm saying to myself, how 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 much worse can the hobby get? By doing this, I mean, this makes no sense to me whatsoever. So basically, 
you paid a premium for something you thought was valuable, and then you got to end up giving it away basically because now you're finding out it's a false, it's a false seal, it's a false signature, yada yada yada, all that. I mean, how does anybody really have any type of strong faith in the hobby, especially? And and we can we can get in this argument about grading again. You know, something that supposedly is graded. You're t- you're buying something because you feel it's graded. Therefore, what happens now? Now uh, it's false, and that's it. Uh, it that, that that's it's you know ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. But I I, I do realize that you know it, it did have a strong impact on you. And and again, I'm glad uh, you know it. You were able to make a good enough decision to say to yourself, "All right, I I got to get out of this. This is not this is not right." This is not going to be good for my my collection, and I'm sure several people who who listen to the shows did the same thing. And I'm sure other people who listen to the shows said, "Hey, I'm going to collect it one way or the other. I really don't care." You know, in my own mind, I still say it's it's, yeah. it's good product, and that's it. You know, it's just it's yeah. just, it's just and, amazing. Uh, so, so here's Steve Hart looking at you know BBCE sealed you know auctions going on on eBay, and and then giving heads up to people if it, if he felt it was fake. So the only thing that I thought of that maybe it was getting better is perhaps I bought it during a time when Steve Hart wasn't looking at eBay or tracking stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. now he is. So I, I don't know if Steve Hart has himself personally or has an assistant who every week checks eBay auctions for BBC well, sealed think- stuff and then verifies, but whatever it is, it got well, better think- to me. I think he should, number one. And number two, I think he ought ought to come up with a better way of, you know, of tamper-proofing what he's he's producing. You know, that's the way I look at it. You know, you're you're basically in a multi-million dollar market, and you got a, you know, freaking seal that you're using that can be, you know, uh, which can, can be counterfeited. I don't think that really makes a lot of sense to me. You know, spend the time. Make a hologram on it. Do something. You know, make it so that it's tamper-proof. Make it so that it's it's counterfeit-proof. You know, you're the one yeah. you're the one claiming to be the expert. You're the one offering the the expert opinion that it's unopened, but you're not spending enough money, in my opinion, to well, make it counterproof, counterfeit-proof. I, you know, I, and, you, and I, you can give me. I think with with within a year, BBC had done some stuff. Uh, so now instead of just using clear shrink wrap to wrap their boxes, now they use. Uh, shrink wrap with a BBCE, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, goes, you know, with an image on it. Uh, right. So, I mean, obviously they did something to try and fix it, uh, which to me is what what is a good step in the right direction. Yeah, and but to me that that should have been done from day one. I mean, if you, you know, it, you got a hobby that for whatever reason is right so that people. You don't want to take advantage of it. Well, foolproof your product yeah. from day one. When you're going to do this, you're going to be the expert. Then do it. You know, and I, and I really, I, you know, I'll come down hard on it because I've been in the hobby all my life, basically. And when I hear these stories forty years later, I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous to me. It's utterly ridiculous. Yeah. You're in multi-million dollar business. Get your acts together. If you can't get your acts together, then you know what? You don't deserve to be in the business. That's the way I look at it. You know. And I'll be harsh about it. Yeah. I mean, that's the way I feel. That's the way I feel. It's not, not right in any way, shape, or form. But, uh, yeah. you know, again, it's a, well, learning, a, learning exper- a learning experience for you. And hopefully you didn't take too big of a hit on it. But, you know, again, I remember back in the 80s, you know, for example, 1986, you could buy 1984 wax boxes for basically, you know, 3 4 $5 at a show that had the black markings through it because you know there were returns from TAPS. And then they got back into the market. They were resold from tops as as uh, returns, and that was just very common at that time. You know what I mean? So when people yeah. say, "Well, I have a pristine box from 1984 without the bl- black markings," so I'm saying to myself, "Okay, if that's the case, then that's good. Then you actually bought the, you know, got the box or bought the box when it was brand new, when it was first issued. So, you know, yeah. and then." What's the difference if your if your display box has a black mark to it? If the packs are okay, you still have a chance to get, you know, very good cards out of the packs, so on and so forth. Without a doubt. So, so I'll ask you the same question, Bob. I mean, hundred shows in the can. 
what uh, what are some of your favorite shows? Uh, that was I was trying to think about it today, and, and to me, it's just it's just so tough to choose a handful of shows that really really moves me. I, I, one show that always that always sticks out in my mind was the one on with uh, Glenn Christensen talking about his Green Bay Packers collection <laughs> and uh I, I i i'm still floored i talked to glenn a few times before the show and um then after the show we, we still you know we, he's a regular advertiser in the magazine now and he's always on the on the look and on the hunt to find new stuff so on and so forth but i i just really enjoyed that show because it just it showed the enjoyment that he took in his collection and the genuine love of the collection that he has. I, th- I always thought that was, uh, that was really, uh, really great to talk to. And again, there, there was one show, uh, unfortunately you weren't the co-host. Martin Jacobs was the co-host, but we had Bob Tibby on who has one of the largest uh, collections of antique footballs and equipment in the country. Oh, wow. Bob, um, Bob was just, just incredible. If, if you heard him and Martin, talking to each other it was just like two longtime collectors that out of the blue just started talking and you know we were way off script that that day we, we just <laughs> talked about everything in his collection and I, I i wish someday hopefully i can somehow see bob's collection i've seen a lot of photos of it this is truly amazing to see the history of the game the way he's preserved it with that but uh, I can honestly say I enjoyed all 99 shows up to this point, including this one. <laughs> but at the same time, those, those are two that really have always stood out in my mind. And uh, I also feel bad because yeah. we had Serge, Serge Mahaley on, and Serge recently passed away. And I was glad that he came on to talk a little bit about Yale football. And uh, that that was kind of kind of a shock to me and still is to a certain degree, but I'm glad we get him on and get, get his story preserved at the same time. Also, that's important. And I, and I think it's important too, that what we talk about, I don't think has really been talked about. You know what I mean? I mean, there's, there's a ton of podcasts on football. There's a ton of podcasts on fantasy football leagues. There's a ton of podcasts on the game, uh, you know, current game, so on and so forth. But there's really not a lot about talking about the hobby and or talking about the old part of the hobby. You know what I mean? So I think that's, that's you know, important to, as much as we preserve, hopefully, the game in the magazine, we're also preserving it by talking about it at the same time. So yeah. I, I think that the two, two go hand in, hand in hand, to say the least. Yeah. The, well, uh, earlier you'd ask what were, what were my favorite episodes most memorable and most memorable was definitely that wax pack one just because they're, you know, the sealed, you know, industry just because of it. But in all honesty, I mean, uh, when I think about which ones, uh, you know, make me smile, which that, that I love, it's always when we have somebody we know who's a friend, uh, you know, yeah. somebody who's in our hobby. Uh, and Bob before the show sent off a list to me of, you know, shows one through 48, you know, previously on Leatherheads. And I was just smiling, you know, thinking back of some of these, you know, Todd Tobias, John Spano, you know, Re- you know, Reverend Mike Moran, you know, Rev, you know, his dad, Hat Moran, uh, Chris Willis, you know, we've got Andy Becker in there, obviously, you know, Dr. Robert Stevenson. Uh, I mean, it's just, and I, I turned the page. It's just, it's, it's amazing. You know, uh, we had, you know, Raymond Showdog on uh, a little bit ago, and uh, he was. Uh, uh, he was, uh, um, you know, he, and I was like, gosh, you were just on a little while ago. And uh, and there's his show there. Mike Blaisdell, Mike Thomas, Jeff Payne, I mean, all good friends of the show. There's Keith, uh, Keith Javik, Antique Sports Shop. I'd met him at the National, bought several things from him and met at the National and asked him on the show. Kirk Robinson, uh, you know, I mean, I'm just running down this list that you, that you sent us off, Bob. And, I mean, I just had a smile you know, on it. And then, uh, you know, and then some of the recent shows, you know, with, you know, uh, uh, you know, we just, we just had on, you know, with, uh, Brian Dwyer, uh, we had, uh, Robert, uh, Casterlinen, you know, who's got the, you know, yep. the, uh, yep. Hunt collection, uh, you know, one of the most amazing football card collections 
you know, ever assembled. Uh, we just, we always have just fun guests. And I've you've heard me say it a hundred times. It's just, I'm a lucky man. I get a sit and talk hobby, you know, with, you know, with the ambassador mm-hmm. of football, Bob Swick and, uh, and a guest for an hour, you, you know, a couple times a month. It's just, I've got the best seat in the house. So, uh, it's, it's fun. <laughs> We had a we had a great show also with uh, Josh Evans of Leylands. I mean, he could have talked for oh, about three hours. I mean, uh, I, I wish we had, I wish we had a, right. a two part show with him because it was just amazing. <laughs> the stories and, and you know I'm thinking about back back when the hobby wasn't technically a hobby, and you know you yeah. poked around at you know at, at antique shows and at flea markets and never knew what you were going to find, so on and so forth. It was truly amazing to to say the least, but it, his show was just was just incredible to listen to. And then the other one oh, that man. really stands out was a couple of years ago with Robin Pauls uh, in his 1962 Post information and collection. It was just just yep. amazing to listen to to his information and uh, just just incredible. And then we had our good friend Jeff Drum and his photo collection, autographed photo collection, was was just amazing also. And I and I think one thing that ties everything in to the show is that collectors, I would say this, most collectors enjoy talking about their collection, and they're not doing it from an egotistical standpoint. They're doing it for the from the love of their collection, the love of the game of football, the love of what they are actually collecting. Whether it's a photo, football, sixty-two post serial cards, whatever it is. They just get great enjoyment out of it, and they they have they enjoy talking about it, and I I really think that's what this hobby is always needed. You know, going back twenty twenty five years, especially when the football card explosion took place in nineteen eighty nine nineteen ninety, and you know everybody theoretically became a football card expert, even though there were very few, <laughs> and. Still, football was overlooked because, uh, you know, obviously there were more baseball collectors, baseball card collectors, so on and so forth. And I always thought football card collectors and football memorabilia collectors were much more calmer because they enjoyed sharing the information on what they had as compared to, let's say, another sport, baseball, where they were wanted to make sure they got it in their collection first, and then they would possibly talk about something. You know what I mean? So yeah. I always found, That's it, a good point. found it to be very. We've heard several. Uh, we've heard several people say that, where it, you know, like, like uh, you know, football football guys tend to collect. You know, they they you know out of out of a passion. Baseball guy, it just yeah, we've heard that from several people, uh, and and we've we've been first hands to it. We've had a hundred people on yep. the show. Well, you know, uh, over a hundred show, well, hundred shows. Let's just say because we've had some repeat guests, but. Uh, who are all, like you said, willing and eager to share insight. Uh, and some of this is strategic insight. I mean, just, uh, you know, cards that are coming up, you know, future Hall of Famers. I mean, it's uh, it's talking about, a, you know, a part of the hobby that, you know, yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Bob. Yeah, it's, a, it's just uh, uh, it's something that something that is needed in the ho- in the hobby to promote the hobby, to to – you know, share the knowledge of the hobby, and hopefully attract new collectors in the long run. Because again, we're you know everybody's getting up there in the in years, and when a collection goes to be dispersed, obviously there has to be buyers for it. You know, if there's no buyers for it, yeah. then you know you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of problems. That's that's all I can say. And I think that's that's yeah. another part that to me is very overlooked in our hobby. Not so much in baseball, but I think especially in football. Okay. If we don't promote the hobby and if we don't get new collectors into the hobby, then how does the hobby survive? Explain it to me. You know, it's it's very difficult. It's very very difficult. Yeah. The um, yeah. The other the other show that I I truly enjoyed uh, doing was um, I'm going back at my notes here is looking at a couple of the authors that we had on the show. Uh, we had Doug Bigelow back in 2018 who wrote that Gridiron, the Great Lakes, which is a very interesting book uh, on yeah. uh, the, that early area of the team. We also had Adam Warsaw, who's the expert on uh, exhibits, 
talk about his uh, price guide booklet and um, gave us a lot of information on exhibits that I honestly didn't know a bunch of that stuff talking about. Yeah. And uh, we've had we had uh, Harvard Ernst on, and we've also had um, Mark Speck on a couple times uh, talking about mm-hmm. his stuff. One show we did way back when uh, is when we had the four guys who do create all the World Football League uh, card sets and the USFL Football League card sets we printed. Richie Franklin, uh, Bill Jones, um, and my mind is, I got to uh, refer to my notes here. The um, Willie O'Burke and Greg Bill, uh, Bill Allred. O'Burke, yep, and Greg Allred, yep. Yeah, yeah so, I remember uh, that show because incredible and i remember it was it was so difficult to try to get everybody together because everybody was in different time zones and to try to find the time the four yeah. of them uh can all well, talk at the same time was was tough and i'm doing well, i'm usually, doing the same thing with richie trying to trying to get him back on the show we just can't get a good time together well usually uh unless you've been a guest uh a lot of people when bob introduces them uh with the schedule or the script uh i will let people know it's like hey you know, we're kind of a, you know, you know, when two of us talk at the same time, and I say when because it will happen, uh, it's Bob's show. So generally if, if, if Bob wants to interrupt me or if Bob says, starts saying, I stop talking. Uh, so I, I, in a gentle way, I let people know. It's like when this happens, stop, stop talking and, le- and let the, the host, you know, Bob, take over. And I remember sending that email to those four guys, the WFL historians, like, all right, gentlemen, there's going to be six of us. Uh, I'm pretty much going to sit back and shut up uh, just to let you guys talk. <laughs> and uh, But one person has to be the deciding voice. I just I, I remember that. And, and the show actually went really well considering. Yeah, yeah. We, we've never really ha- had an issue with everybody talking all at once and, and nothing making sense from it. But, again, we're, we're, we're excited in a way to, to talk to somebody. So we got, we got a lot of questions for him or a lot of comments on something or want to ask him questions on stuff. So it's, uh, we want to get that information out to them and, and, and discuss it. So that's a, that's a nice part about the show to, to say the least. So uh, it, it's, it's been a very, very interesting run to say the least. I, I was going through my old papers here. I, I have copies of probably 95 of, of 100 podcasts that I've done. Uh, there's a couple. I don't know what I did with them. I must have misfiled them or whatever. But I remember doing a uh, a show on a Saturday night uh, on the Leatherheads Network. It was called Three Point Stance. And it basically was a wrap-up during the college football season of all the games. And we, uh, the host and myself, I was the co-host on that show. And I and – his name is, is slipping my mind out. Pete, um, it'll come back to me. Pete was the uh, host of the show. I was the co-host of the show. Long story short, I, I was studying. Uh, basically, I would spend like nine hours just devouring statistics of college football on a Saturday, and it was pretty cool for me. It really got me back into the college game again. And then we would talk about it for an hour on Saturday night. It was a live show, 9 to 10 at night, Eastern time. It was pretty. It was pretty cool to 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 talk about that. So then I got the idea. Oh, this is what I want to say. This, I got the idea with the Weatherheads, and I and I I um, approached them. Can we do a show on Gridiron Great? And they said, Sure, why not? And uh, that's how we how we began. It was it was shortly after that. I had done the three point stance the season before, and then we uh, went uh. into our show right in that. So pretty interesting. To say the least. Yeah. Uh, Looking uh, back, also, some of the names here. Oh, go for it, Bob. I was going to say uh, the other thing I want to point out too. I, I I have people contact me after they listen to a podcast and say, "Listen, how do I get on? How how can I be a guest on? I don't know if my collection is worth it." Blah blah blah. We'll just call or send me an email and then we'll discuss it. That's no problem. I, I reiterate that tonight. If anybody's listening and they, they want to be a guest on that, we have several guests lined up for two, uh, 2020 already. And uh, it's just going to be the logistics of getting the scheduling down on it. But anyways, if you're interested, just you know, drop me a line uh, via email or give me a call and uh, we'll, we'll discuss it. That's not a problem. Go ahead, Jeff. 
Yeah. Oh, I was looking back at some guests. I think uh, Judy Bartlett, uh, who was the Sketter, uh, yep. you know, show from 2013. I, I think she's the only female guest we've had on, correct? Correct. Correct. Brenda refuses, up and, Brenda up to, refuses to be on, so we can't nah. get her on the show. <laughs> she outright up into refuses. that show, I remember you. I remember you sending me the script. I'm like the Sketter. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And I had to look it up. I had no idea Sked was the nickname for schedules. Uh, it kind of cracked me up. It was just, yep. And it was just one more time, just a facet of the hobby I'd never considered, you know, collecting pocket Skeds and uh, just kind of fun, you know. Well, I've, I've uh, uh, printed my, my own pocket schedule for the Packers since 1996. And uh, I don't print a lot of them. And um, I normally send a bunch to Judy in the uh, late summer after I print them, and she sends them out with her subscribers. So if you subscribe to the Skedder, you'll see my my pocket schedule on there. And apparently, I didn't realize, I have been printing that schedule since 1996. So this was my, I believe, my 23rd or 22nd year that I printed that pocket schedule. So I've had this year, I had a couple of guys email me and they said, when did it begin and do you have any extras? And I, I can't believe there's a few years I'm completely out of them now. So uh, they're, they're rarer than rare. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just something fun. I like I like printing and I give a plug to the magazine in it and so on and so forth. But, uh, yeah, Judy, Judy uh, great publication. She's very dedicated to pocket schedule collecting. Sadly, uh, a lot of teams are not printing physical pocket schedules anymore. They're going to everything online, and they want you, want you to either print them out or just use, you know just view them online. And uh, th- that's a big threat to the hobby, to say the say the least. So uh, hopefully, not all teams will do this. Teams will continue to uh, print their pocket schedules in the future, and we can still collect them. But uh, Judy's done an incredible amount of of um, promotion for the yeah. pocket scheduling collecting hobby, and she definitely has to be applauded for it. The other person who's done an enormous amount is Richie Kramer, Kramer, uh, who actually lives in Glastonbury, Connecticut. And uh, I just did a trade with Richie to get some Green Bay Packer pocket schedules I didn't have in my collection, and I sent him a bunch of mine that he didn't have. So it was a fun fun uh, trade for that too and you're right there's so many there's so many different avenues of our of our hobby that people don't even realize what, you know what they're collecting and how they're collecting uh you know yeah. you didn't really know about pocket schedules i had a couple guys say i really never never dawned on me to look at um you know just saving ticket stubs you know a lot of people just arbitrarily what they do with them they just throw them out after the game or whatever type of thing Yep. Instead of saving them, so kind of a, kind of interesting, but, kind of a. And nowadays, people view. print it out on a piece of paper. Uh, the tickets get emailed to you, so you print it out on a piece of paper, or it, you know, uh, like the the Portland Trailblazers, the local basketball team, you know, went away from any kind of physical ticket. Now you have to download the app, and you have to have a QR code showing the ticket on your phone. So wow, you know, tickets wow. are not only rare, but they're disappearing. It's sad. It's really sad. I mean, between that packet schedules, I know a lot of uh, teams are are not printing their media guides anymore. They're keeping them online. They're offering them online, so you could just research them on that. That's another area of, of collecting that's pretty much gone by the wayside. Uh, you know, look at look at actual sports magazines. Sporting News is no more. Sports Illustrated is every other week, uh, and it's a shell of what it used to be. Uh, luckily, the, the annuals are still out there, Street and Smith and a few other uh, once-a-year college football guides and pro football uh, annuals, so on and so forth. But it, the, the complexity of the hobby really has changed. So what do, what do we have that continues to, to remain? In my, it's football cards themselves and the, wa- the wrappers and the display boxes. You know, they, they still can be collected. You know what I mean? So um, hopefully they're not going to go anywhere, although there's a lot of e-cards now. 
So yeah, quick quick story. I went over to a friend's house. There was about twenty people who got together to watch the Seahawk Forty Nine er end of the season game, end end of the oh, decade. Right. You know, game last regular season game of the decade last night involving the Seahawks, uh, and uh, <clears throat> just kind of to have fun. I took a box of eighty nine Pacific Steve Largent cards. Uh, with a bunch of wax packs in it over there, and I handed them out uh, to about you know mm-hmm. twenty people. You know, so some some people got two packs, and a couple people like we can't open these. This, this nineteen eighty nine. That's thirty years ago. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yep. And you know, like one of the hosts, who's a Seahawk fan, looked at me and he's like, are these are these pretty valuable? And I'm like, well, not really. <laughs> it was, but everybody had a lot of fun opening them, and then some people built the puzzle. Yep. And then I and then I had a uh, I had a, a contest. Whoever whoever could find the card with the most sexual tension between Jim Zorn and Steve Largent would win a Steve Largent rookie card. And uh, that, anybody who knows that '89 Pacific set knows there's you know a couple cards in there that are uh, you know that are right. eyebrow raising and, and you know, nowadays it's just kind of funny. And uh, and everybody just had a good time. And then you look around and there's wax pack wrappers everywhere and cards and. Couple people working on the puzzle and running around trying to find the the cards. It was it was a lot of fun, uh, you know. So and that's the, know, and that's it, the fun of that's the fun of actually opening up a wax pack or you know a, a pack of football cards. See what's inside of it. You know, it's curiosity. Yeah. It's fun. You never know what you're gonna you're gonna find. You never know what you're gonna see. And again, I I you know coming from from my generation, it's tough for me to get excited opening up an eighty dollar wax box of 2019 yep. Donruss, which is published or printed by Panini, which is the only producer of Panini, uh, only producer of football cards in the market right now. It just kind of cracks me up. You know what I mean? And now all of a sudden, and I think it's, correct me if, I was, if I'm wrong, I think it's, what, 1991 per set, Bill Belichick's supposed rookie cards in it. Now those wax boxes are going through the roof. And I, I can't believe it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it just cracks me up. You could have given them away a few years ago for $5. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, yeah. every, everybody wants the, the Belichick card at, when he was the Browns coach in it. It just, it just yeah. cracks me up, to say, say the least. Cracks me up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you had, a, you had a question on here. What if, Over the years, 100 shows, Bob. Uh, you, you're you're the you're the uh, you're the, the the historian of the hobby for us. You're the ambassador, but even uh, even you've learned a few things. What what have you picked up over the years? Well, the the things that I picked up over the years is number one, I see people who specialize in what they are collecting. To me, have much more advanced and much more. Much more advanced collections, obviously, but they they seem to get much more satisfaction from it. And the other thing that I see is number two, there is a very large segment of the hobby that does not collect football cards. They collect everything else but football cards. They'll collect the program with the ticket stuff. They'll collect pennants. They'll collect uh, you know the packet schedules. They'll collect photos, team photos. They'll collect the publications, so on and so forth. So it's not necessarily just a football card hobby, and I never, I never wanted it to view it that way. I always felt it was a football memorabilia hobby, and uh, I see a lot of those types of collectors in the market, not just strictly "quote unquote" football card collectors. You know, I don't know if you, I, I, I'm sure you see that too, but that was the one thing that kind of surprised me in the beginning, seeing what people collected. Hmm. Yeah. Football. I mean, it's, it's funny. I've said this a bunch of times, but at the end of the day, all of us who collect football cards, we collect pictures of men in tights on cardboard. So, I mean, who who is it for us to question what other people collect? Uh, You know, wax packs, uh, you know, jerseys, helmets, footballs, uh, you know, photographs. I mean, if you think about it, if you're a collector, you're a collector Uh, and everybody collects different things and uh, I, I love the way my collection has changed I mean it used to be sets and now it's more esoteric things it's you know mm-hmm. ticket stuff mm-hmm. programs a couple photos uncut sheets 
I, I've definitely switched towards more unconditioned, sensitive, uh, you know, vintage, rare things, and I'm, I'm very happy. Yeah, yeah, I can. I mean, and again, you're getting more, much more enjoyment out of it. Number one, and number two, you, you got something that's very unique. You don't have the same thing that everybody else has. You know what I mean? So yeah, that makes it more more special and more interesting, and you can learn a lot more at the same time. And uh, you know, again, I look at my my football card run from 1948 up until the last year tops printed in 2015. That run has always defined me. I you know that run is the last thing that'll ever leave. Uh, you know, when when I if and when I ever decide to to you know scale down the collection and so on and so forth. And my typed collection of oddball football cards is another thing I, I will hold on to to the end. But I have always enjoyed. When it wasn't popular, you know, saving ticket stuff, saving programs of games I went to yeah. and games that I didn't go to. And team photos I always loved. I always had a great great enjoyment of team photos. I mean, I got a lot of Green Bay Packer team photos from the 70s, the 80s, uh, right up to when they, they stopped basically selling them. And uh, that I always found very fascinating, very interesting. Team issue player photos is another great area of collecting. Yeah, uh, I have. I, pro- I probably got a maybe 150, 200 Packer individual player photos, and I was so bummed out when I got a letter from them one season saying they stopped, they stopped issuing them, they stopped selling them. So I'm saying to myself, well, what are they, what are they using? They're probably just using images now. They're sending an image to the um, you know PR individual who wants the player photo for whatever promotion or whatever the case may be, and that's it. You know, it's not the classic pose of uh, the 1950s or 60s of, uh, you know, the quarterback with his arm cocked back with the football in his, in his hand ready to throw <laughs> at him. You know, but again, that's that's something that occurs over time, to, to say the least, and uh, evolves in the hobby at the same time. But, uh, you know, again, it, there's, a lot, there's a lot of different things. And in your case, I think it's great that you, you know, you get, you, you've been able to to see things differently and collect much differently. And, and you still have an incredible collection on top of it, you know, even though you've changed, oh, yeah. changed uh, speeds on it and, and gone to a couple of different directions. A, nothing wrong with that. And B, it's, it's, it's great, you know, great uh, for, for your collecting interest to keep your, keep your interests more stimulated with your collection at the same time. I think a lot of collectors as they mature in their collections, there's not a great need to have to, you know, I got to buy something this week. I got to go to a show. I got to find something, anything. I got to buy something, you know, unless it's, it's something they really want, they really need on their want list yep. and or truly interest them. What's the point of collecting it? You know what I mean? So uh, I think that evolves over the years. I mean, I, I go to a show. Uh, this last national was, a, was a good example. I only, I bought a couple things and that's it. I, I bought very few things there. And there was a couple of nationals ago. I, I didn't even buy anything. I, I couldn't even get get around. The Atlantic City uh, National was a good example. I I wasn't really able to get around to walk around, but I didn't buy anything. So I mean, it happens. It happens. But again, I've been to nationals where I've, I've bought a lot and I've seen a lot, and I, I found stuff very interesting, and I and I bought it, and that was it. You know, so it's. It's how you view it, and you know your interest in it, so on and so forth. I mean, I, I also yes. see the guys that sit sit in front of five thousand count monster boxes at, at uh, shows, and that's all they do for six hours. They don't move. They don't go to the bathroom. They don't get up. They don't move from that chair, and then they come out with an eight hundred count box of cards, whatever they may be, and they're satisfied, and that's good. Good for the dealer, and it's good for the show. You know, to each their own. So, to each to each their own. Uh, I the thought of sitting in front of that box, and I know exactly what you mean. Is like, I mean, whenever we go to, whenever I go to a national, I got about an an hour of pacing the floor, and then I end up sitting down and uh, hanging out with somebody, and then an hour of pacing the floor, an hour, you know, and then hanging out. I might get two two and a half hours a day out of walking the floor if I'm lucky. Yep. It's all yep. I have the patience yep. for. Uh, yep. You know it. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just don't remember that 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 last Cleveland show. 
the guy across from me, he basically got to the guy's table when the show before the show opened, and he didn't leave until the show ended. And he just kept filling up his own monster boxes of cards he wanted. And uh, I knew he was a dealer, but I was just I was just amazed that he actually spent his entire national just buying from this one guy. I mean, it was, it was incredible to me. But I got each to his own, mm. you know. Nature the hobby has changed. We all collect. <laughs> yep. I mean, I can, yeah, I can I remember you. going to the uh, the old White Plains show, and um, and again, I would only go up for the day, but I basically was like a maniac trying to hit every table I could just to try to find things, and uh, you know, immediately asked, "Do you have any football?" Blah blah blah, and then if they didn't have anything, I'd make a quick look at the table and just continue to move on to the uh, tables that actually had you know, football items that I was looking for, so on and so forth. So it's, it's changed I think the dramatically. Only time, I think the only time I've really been diligent about walking the floor was uh, probably the 2012 Baltimore National. I, I think it was 12 or 13. Uh, where yeah. I was looking to fill my 57 Tops football set out in PSA 8. And the last card I needed was Zeke Bradkowski. And I was going around to yeah. every yeah. single, every time I saw somebody's 57, I'd filter through there and look for the Zeke. And I walked out of there with about 15 Zekes that I thought for sure might have a chance. Submitted all of them at PSA and then waited, you know, my month to get the cards back and uh, didn't get a single PSA. But, uh, oh, well. Wow. <laughs> That's the only time I've ever really searched for a couple cards. And, uh, and it was, it was wow. pretty fun. It was very memorable. Yeah, that was the 2012 Baltimore. I got into my notes here. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was a pretty interesting uh, national. That was that was one national I remember. I did end up buying a bunch of stuff from a couple of dealers who I never never saw before, and uh, they had a bunch of oddball football cards. And I bought. A, I remember I bought a bunch of 1979 NFLPA uh, pennant stickers from one guy, um, and um, I, I know he was ecstatic getting rid of them because I, I'm sure they sat on his table for years and I was ecstatic getting them because I, I, I didn't have any in my collection. I think I had like one or two. Yep. I ended up buying a, buying about nine or ten of them from the guy. He gave me a good deal and uh, that was also a show I bought one of my uh, Mayos for my set. And, um, yeah, I, Mayo. I, I haven't uh, been working on that. Every time you say Mayo, every time you say Mayo, it makes you smile. <laughs> Every the time you introduce me, and you don't say Oregon, and you don't say Oregon, it makes Oregon. me smile too. <laughs> Oregon, I gotta really watch myself. And the Rose Bowl this year, by the It's it's funny. So I, 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 I I do butcher the English language. I I don't make any apologies for it. It's just the way <laughs> way I speak. So, but you've changed. There's a lot of but you've switches. Changed. I'm proud of you. <laughs> hey, I, uh, I put together uh, – I've, I've really enjoyed putting together a little Joe list, but I put together a quick list uh, as we're nearing the end of the show, if you, if you would uh, give me a couple minutes, Captain. Okay. Yep. Uh, Go ahead, Joe. I've, I've really appreciated moving over to the Gridiron Great uh, Publishing and Broadcasting Network. Obviously, we've had 52 shows on, on, uh, on this network versus the previous 48 on Leatherheads. And uh, one thing that really used to uh, hurt our shows was on the Leatherheads, we had to do them live uh, at certain times. And here on, you know, on uh, the Gridiron Greats Network, we can record them. So it's made it a lot easier right. for Bob and I to say, what day works for you? What day and time? Uh, right. So my list right. that I have is the, the, the top five Joe F-ups from when we were on Leatherheads. Uh <laughs> Uh, I, uh, I I try and call in early to the shows, and Bob and I were talking before. He goes, "Ah, oh, you're early, like five minutes early." I'm like, "Well, I try and lower your anxiety level, Captain." And he's like, "No, it's fine, you know." But I've uh, I've uh, I've had a few hiccups, let's just say, on shows when we were back on the Leatherhead. So my top five, uh, I don't remember which show it was, but it was a uh, it was a pretty bad one. I was skiing that day. And on the way yep, back yep, from yep. skiing, I left skiing early to come back and do the show. There was a fatal accident on the road, and they shut the road down. And I literally sat in traffic for five hours. I, I've never gone back and listened to that show, but I can only imagine <laughs> Bob 
texting me, trying to get a hold of me. Joe, where the hell are you? I totally missed a show. And uh, yep, that's yep, that's uh, yep. number five on the list. It should probably number one. And I'm probably making poor Bob cringe uh, by recapping some of these. Uh, I remember I was at a bachelor party in Vegas once. And I uh, went to fly out that night, and the flight was canceled. So I had to spend the night in the San Francisco airport. Uh, yep, and yep. the next day, the plane that I got on, uh, the plane boarded midway through the show. And I can remember yep, yep. Telling, telling Bob that, poor Bob, getting on the plane. <laughs> and about 20 minutes left in the show, the stewardess comes by, and she's like, you got to get off the phone, sir, because I'm sitting in my seat on the phone doing the show. <laughs> Poor Bob, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I did a show with Mexico. Well, that was our co-host, Joe uh, Squires, somewhere in the sky. That was somewhere in the sky. I did a show in Mexico that I had a lot of fun yep. doing. I remember. Uh, I did yep. a show. I was doing a, a job at the beach. I remember calling from that. Uh, and I uh, the we did a show on a Sunday, and we used to do them on Saturdays. And I got the days mixed up. It was with Rev, uh, you know, the you know, with Mike Moran, uh, Rev. Yep. yep and uh, yep. and I we agreed to the date and time. And then the day before, I realized I was doing a charity 5K walk that day. So I did the show, yep, the entire yep. show, while I was doing the 5K walk, which was pretty fun. Yep. I can imagine you could yep. hearing me huff and puff around yep. walking three three yep. miles was pretty fun. So I remember my uh, I remember my top that. five list of of Joe Muffups while being on Leatherheads. Uh, so I, I for one, am very happy to be on Gridiron Greats Publishing, where we can pre-record these. Well, I think and I'm sure I, Bob I think is. It's, it's much easier for us. You know, we can coordinate times. We pre-record the show. Um, gives yep. us both enough time to prepare and, and you know be flexible as far as scheduling is concerned, yep. and so on and so forth. All right, we're down to two minutes. I'd like to remind everybody, if you're not a subscriber to Gridiron Greats Magazine, what's holding you back? Check out our website at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. You get our one-year subscription for twenty nine ninety five. We also have a back issue special sale. You can get all our back issues from when we took over the magazine at issue 23 uh, up until the current one, which is going to be hopefully out at some point uh, the end of next week. We're finishing up as we speak. And uh, it'll be the winter issue of 2019-2020, our 67th issue of Gridiron and Greats Magazine. All right, Joe, in our final two minutes, final thoughts, final ideas, final comments. Captain, I'm humbled to be your co-host, your friend. I, uh, I, I, I do love doing these shows. I've got the best seat in the house. And I also wanted to say thank you. You said thank, you know, you, you said thank you, Joe, for you know, being coast on a show. I want to say thanks, Bob. I don't think a lot of us hobbyists realize how much time and effort goes in behind the scenes that the captain puts in to do this show. Uh, so I tip my hat, Bob. You are great for the hobby. Uh, yeah, you're, you, 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 you do good things for our, our beloved hobby. So thank you. I wanted to wish you and Brenda a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, sir. Hope you're, hope you're safe well, in Wallingford. I, I thank you for the for the uh, for the nice compliment. And again, for me, I'm trying to promote the hobby. I'm trying to keep the hobby going. We want to preserve the game. Uh, we want to make sure those guys who fought on the gridiron many years ago are never forgotten. Their memorabilia is never forgotten. The history of the game is never yeah. forgotten, nor the history of the game be rewritten at the same time. Because these guys gave everything they had on the hundred yard gridiron. They gave everything. Everything they they could to be winners to play the game to play the game as gentlemen would play and to ultimately do battle and be victorious in the end that's what it was all about there's there's no there's no second second uh runner-up there's no runner-up prize i don't care what anybody says go to the super bowl you want to win it you don't want to be you don't want to just say well i played in it and that's it no you want to win the super bowl that's what football is all about you don't want to tie the game you don't want to lose. You want to win. I don't care what anybody says. So that's at the, it. Uh, and again, party last night, at the football party last night, they showed the banners hanging from the Seahawks rafters, and there's the 2014 NFL champion, and then the 2015 NFC championship. 
And one guy yep. joked, he's yep. like, that NFC championship is second place. I don't even like seeing it. Yep. I'm like, I would agree. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. All right, we're out of time. Joe, you and your family have a happy new year, and we'll be back in 2020 with a whole new season of Gridiron Greats, the podcast. Thanks for listening. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.